Welcome back to the Creator Files podcast. This is the last episode of this challenge. Of course, the podcast will continue, but for this 30-day challenge that Ricky was doing of publishing a video every day on his new channel for 30 days straight, we have finished that. He finished yesterday. Yep. And tell us a little bit about how it went. Your expectation. First, let's recap the expectations. Yeah. So you were, your only goal, your only goal at all was to publish consistently for 30 days straight. You said, this challenge will be a success if you do that. The biggest thing with that was just, I wanted to publish 30 videos that would be videos that would fit in if I were to switch to weekly or something like that. So I didn't want to publish 30 like junk videos that I'm going to have to delete later because they don't match. They're obviously Um, rushed. You don't want that. So I wanted 30 good videos. And how'd it go? It went well. I, I mean, I did it. I didn't miss a day. So it was 30 videos in 30 days, but it was also, it was one a day. Um, I only had, I think in the end, I only had one that I had to finish the morning of. And so it went out later. I had another one that went out 30 minutes late because I uploaded it and everything and forgot to schedule it. No, oh, that's frustrating. <laughs> um, but other than that, like everyone was basically done like the night, at least the night before um, and 30 videos went out. And so wow. from a, meeting the goal of what I intended to accomplish, nailed it. Um, awesome. And we said only 20% of them could be shorts, so that was yep. six. And you had how many shorts? Four. Four. So nice. only four of them ended up being shorts. You didn't even use and them all. They were, yeah. And I mean, the shorts were easy. It was nice to have a little bit of a reprieve Yeah. Um, where I could be like, oh, here's a good concept for a short. And the editing was easy. There's no thumbnail. I mean, yeah. it just made it so easy. Yeah, shorts are nice. Don't have to think too much about the title. Mm-mm. Titles are a lot different on shorts. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about results. We said that, you know, the worst case scenario, at least worst likely scenario, because you have experience in this. Yeah, right. Would be if none of your videos did much over 100 views. Yes. And if the subscribers were also not growing. Yep. But what are the views like on your videos and what are the subscribers like? Um, I'm I'm just kind of looking through them right now, doing a quick tally. Out of 30 videos... Only seven of them have under 100 views. So I have 23 videos with over 100 views. And one of those seven is literally yesterday's video. Nice. Um, in fact, most videos now are doing nearly 100 views in the first day when I publish them. Um, with the exception of if it's just on a kind of a more specific topic, like that I know just won't have a quite a, as broad of appeal mm-hmm. to the people that are already watching the channel. Um so that's great. I have multiple videos, I think three, maybe four now, that have over 2,000 views on them. Wow. Um, yeah, I have one here with 2,700 views. Every time I look at it, you know, the numbers change. It's, it's actually really exciting because in the very beginning, that's not the case. Right. You, you go check in three hours later and it's like, still only two views, you know? I remember keeping an eye on this the first right. week or so. And I was like, okay, we're, yeah, we're up to 30 okay. on some. Hopefully you know? this works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, totally like definitely above that mark of the worst case, but potentially likely scenario. Yes. And it's really good that they all have decent, not all, but uh-huh. the vast majority of them have over a hundred views because yes. I think that's much better than if you have almost all of your videos have low views, but a couple that blew right. up because then you don't know if you can maintain that or yep. exactly what you did to get yeah. that to work. And so it's a lot better if you just have right. kind of consistent, 
consistently decent views rather than just a couple crazy outliers. But you kind of had both. You had a couple before mm-hmm. that really did well. Right. And then also a very healthy baseline. So that's exciting. I do. Yeah. I've got um, several videos with 500 views or so on them. Um, a few more that are over a thousand. Uh, so it's kind of a nice spread. And honestly, like, I'm pretty confident that most of these videos over time are going to get a lot more views. Mm-hmm. Um, again, having created channels in the past, like I just, I know these videos aren't dead. I was just looking yesterday at a channel that I started um, with Jim a couple, a few years ago. And uh, I was just kind of looking at, you know, how are the videos doing on that? And I just went on the front end of YouTube. You can just look at a channel, click on the videos tab and sort by popularity. And I went through about the first 20 videos or so. And probably half of them are from the first three months of the channel's existence. Wow. So, and it's not like we were getting hundreds of thousands of views in those first three months. It's just that over time, those videos have been shown and re-shown. Some of them have some searchability factor to them. They're going to show up in, for a lot of different searches. But also, they're just, they're, there's enough appeal to them, enough interest in those topics, and they're evergreen enough. They're not so, like, time-specific that they're still relevant today. Yeah. And so you can go watch that video now and people are, and they have hundreds of thousands of views on these videos that we created. They were some of the first videos we ever made on that channel. That's wild. They just have so much time to get views yeah. and gain popularity yeah. Yeah. and get shared. Just give it time. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So then your best case scenario, and you said you thought this was unlikely, but possible. Yeah. And that was to be monetized in a month or reach one of the monetization goals. Right. We're not there. Not there. (laughs) (laughs) We're not there. In fact, neither of the two. um, And when I say monetized, I'm not talking about kind of the new low level monetization. Uh, YouTube is now, um, at least for some creators, allowing you to start getting like super chats and stuff like that. When you, um, when you reach some lower numbers, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's like 500 subscribers. And I want to say, still like 3000 watch hours. Um, and so I, I'm talking about the thousand subscribers, 4,000 hours of watch time and traditional. Yeah. And I just like would have loved to hit one of those two numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said before on this podcast that a lot of channels seem to like either get a lot of subscribers, but not a lot of watch time or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, this channel is, they're just tra- tracking each other almost perfectly. So on watch time, I'm about 35% of the way there. And on subscribers, I'm 32% of the way there. So right around a third of the way after the first 30 days. And considering that all of those numbers are on a growth trajectory, um, I don't even have to like accelerate really to be able to hit um, my more like Realistic. Realistic goal right. that I set from an outcome basis. So that was the third thing is yeah. we said, what was the most likely scenario? And you said that the most likely good scenario right. would be to get monetized in two months by the end yeah. of October. And you're yeah. on track for that at yeah. this rate uh-huh. because the first two weeks of the challenge were so slow, just because that's yep. how it goes. And then after that, it it really started to. to yeah, it does. I've shared this on the creator files in the community there. So if you're on YouTube, like go check out the, our page and go check out um, the community itself. Cause I, I'm actually going to show you like the views graph and stuff. You'll see, it looks like right now over the last few days, 
you know, I'm kind of bouncing around sort of a plateau, yeah. right? The, the growth kind of leveled off. That probably happened five times over the course of this challenge. It's just that when you look at the graph now, you can't see the earlier ones because of the movement that's happened since then. And if we look at this same graph in three months, the current, quote, plateau won't be visible anymore because it'll be such a small piece of the overall picture. Wow, it's just, yeah. it's just going up. So if you just like, if you're looking at your numbers every day and you're like, oh, I've plateaued. Like, no, you really haven't. Um, the same thing is true like for weight loss. Doctors don't consider you having a weight loss plateau unless it lasts three months. Wow. Because it's normal for you to kind of hit a level, kind of level out for a bit, and then kind of have a larger breakthrough. The problem is that we're impatient people. Yeah. And so like we start reacting and overreacting or then we have an emotional reaction and go eat a bunch of chocolate. Right. <laughs> and then you just ruin it all. And you're like, yep, see the, the diet failed. It's like, well, no, you probably should have just stayed the course for a bit longer. The same thing is true here. Um, right now, like somebody could look at that and be like, eh, this channel's already plateaued. No, no, it really hasn't. As somebody who's been there, it hasn't. I've definitely noticed people do that on yeah. YouTube where they say, you know, they panic because they, especially if they have a couple videos that do really well and then mm -hmm. those those viral videos help some of their other videos on the channel get a little bump for a while. Right. And so then they look at it and they're like, my channel's doing great. And then that viral or those couple viral videos taper off a bit and they panic. Right. They're like, my channel's dead. It's dying. No. Dying. And then other people go like, no, it's okay. Stick with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's easier to save and see that from the outside. When sure. you're looking at your numbers every single day, that's the danger in it is if you're just like overanalyzing everything, yeah. you're checking your numbers all the time. And don't get me wrong. I was looking at my numbers daily. Um, I wanted to see how the current video was doing, but I was also looking at older videos um, to see how they were continuing to perform. And it was interesting. Like sometimes you'd have one video that, oh, my video today isn't doing that great. But for some reason, one of my videos from a week and a half ago just picked up and just got 300 views today. Mm. Um, and that was pretty normal. And, you know, again, those same videos that are over 2,000, those ones are regularly in my top five or top 10 of, you know, if you look at the, the last 48 hours graph, they're usually in that kind of, all of them are in the top 10 always. Um, and so those ones are just consistently getting views. It wasn't like I got a huge spike in one day. Yeah. In fact, um, if you look at that views graph that I shared in the community, you'll see a few spikes. Those are shorts. And that's because the shorts right now basically do only last a day. Um, that's and, and do they get a lot more views than the long form videos? They did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To, so to give a couple examples, the first short that I published was really early on and it got a little over 400 views. And then YouTube just kind of cut it off, um, which we talked about this in another episode in a lot more detail. That short, I'm leaving it alone because chances are at some point YouTube will kind of pick it up again and it might get 10,000 views next time. So I'm leaving it alone. Um, the second short that I published got uh, 1,100 views before it died. The next one got like 220 views. And it was like I published it immediately. YouTube picked it up. So a couple of them, you publish it and it's like two hours, three hours pass. And then all of a sudden it takes off. And then all of a sudden, boom, it ends after an hour or so. Um, that one, it was like immediate. It shot up and it was like 45 minutes and it was over. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that I published, 
it got, it was at almost 1900 views when it died. It lasted a couple of hours. Um, but really in that one day, I got 1900 views from that one short, which was a lot more, you know, my normal view rate per day is not nearly 1900 views. So it looks no. like a big, big spike. Um, that's not really indicative of overall channel growth. That makes sense. But they did each one of those drove, um, more subscribers in their first day than a normal video did in its first day. How much more? So um, a lot of my videos in their first day, even like now. So if I look at my latest video that's been out for a day and a half now, it's gained me one subscriber. It's also not like a super high performer, but it's only gained me one subscriber. The one from a day before, I'll just use that as another example, because that one's got 350 views. Um, So it's a little bit higher performer for the first day or so. That one's only gained me four subscribers still. But that short, 1900, it's still at 1905 views. It's from three days ago, but it got like eight, 1,890 views. And since then, it's had like 15, right? Yeah. That just like show up from, it happened to show up in a search or somewhere. Like YouTube's not like completely cut it off, but it's just, but that one um, gained me six subscribers. And basically, they're all from that day because almost all the views were, in fact, they're from like two hour period of time. Interesting. So boom, six subscribers. And because my shorts and my main content are all so closely related topically, I'm not worried that those six subscribers are just dead subscribers. Yes. Um, I think for the most part, they're, most of them are likely to also enjoy my other content. Right. I think that's really good for people to know just because so often we think that shorts are this completely separate thing. And a while ago, YouTube was treating them very separately. Yeah. And even if, you know, even if you say, okay, well, the algorithm's not going to punish you for shorts or anything like that. Don't worry about that. That phase is over. Mm -hmm. But if you're still thinking, well, you know, people that are watching shorts aren't the type of people that watch long form content or anything like that, then I don't know. I've worried. I thought, do people really bother clicking on shorts when they're they're watching shorts? Are they really going to click through and subscribe? And it's cool to see that that's working. Yeah. I I mean, and we'll see over time as this plays out further um, how well it continues to work. Mm-hmm. But I actually do think there's a, a good place for it. As, again, as long as there's good consistency between yeah. the topics as well as kind of the, the format. If I'm making my shorts, um, I just have a different tone to them. They're definitely made to be much more kind of clickbaity and um, and it's just attracting a totally different type of person. Uh, honestly, like there are a lot of people that enjoy both. I personally enjoy short form content at some moments and long form content at others. Yeah. And if there's somebody that I see who creates short form content and I'm like, man, I like this person's shorts. So then I'm more likely to click subscribe. And then when I'm watching long form content, view their long form content too. Yeah. And, and maybe it is that they watch it later, but yeah. they're subscribed. Right. And then you can find out if they do. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about, so can we say that this is an mostly informational channel? Yeah. And how are you treating shorts in that case? Are you making them informational? Are you making them entertaining? What's the strategy there? The shorts are still pretty informational. Um, the trick with informational shorts this has been hard for me to accept, <laughs> but like, cause I'm, I like to teach. I explain too much. Um, and so I would try to pack too much in and I'd end up with two and a half minutes of content and have to trim it down to 59 seconds. Now I'm like, okay, the short is one thing, really, really one 
thing. I would love to share an example, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but um, but really, like sometimes the stuff that you put into a short seems like can't believe I'm making a whole video about this one tiny thing. And really, it came from like I think it clicked even more in that conversation. You'll probably remember where Nathan brought up something he's doing on his personal channel, and he mentioned one of his best performing shorts. And I'm like, really? That's what people like. That's the one that they didn't swipe away from. And it made me realize, okay, you know what? Short form content, I can, I can stay a little more superficial. I can cover something just tiny, but they're still pretty informational mm -hmm. because if I think if I were to go really entertainment heavy, uh, it wouldn't translate well to my long form content. Yeah, which we've experimented with, not uh -huh. on this channel, right. I don't think, not but really. on other channels of, you know, entertaining videos, shorts on more informational channels. Yeah. And they, even the best ones we did, I think they didn't perform that well. They really didn't. We thought, well, maybe they'll just reach the kind of the broader audience that likes the entertainment of it and then make them more aware of yes. us and our topic or whatever. Nope. YouTube just didn't spread those shorts very far because I think YouTube was kind of guessing at the audience based on our long form audience. And the long form audience was like, what is this? Where's the information? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it just didn't. It just didn't do that well. So now yeah. on those on you know those other channels, we're mostly, you know, it is very much like a here's a quick little tidbit, yeah. informational, very much very closely related to our long form content. And you have this strategy of narrowing it down to one thing. Yes, it's funny how it feels like. If sometimes it feels like one thing is a million things. One time, yeah, no, <laughs> I read the book, the one thing, and then Jim asked me what I got from it, and I listed what my one thing was going to be. I listed like six six things in my mind. Yeah. It was yeah. one. And he said, did we read the same book? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, it used to be 60 things and now it's only six. So exactly. I'm doing better. Progress. Yeah. Uh, that's that's good to remember though, for shorts. to Especially right. because you don't always want them to be 59 seconds. No. It can be better if they're shorter. So right. we're actually finding but a lot. But it should be complete at 15 seconds or 20 seconds. Yes. Right? It shouldn't. Okay. No. Um, complete to the sense of like, it's great if they still wanted a little more. But it still, like, wasn't at least a complete enough thought. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If it cuts off and, and you never get to the punch. They can't be confused. Right. Yeah. They okay. need, yeah. But at the same time, like, it should end a little slightly before they thought it was supposed to end. Mm -hmm. And then they're more likely to watch the whole thing. So there's a bit of strategy there with shorts. That makes sense. And what about trying to get them to do a long form video? Have you experimented much with that on this channel or not yet? Not a lot yet. Um, again, there's only the four shorts, but also, uh -huh. I mean, a couple of them now I've done the new YouTube where I link to a long form piece of content that's very closely related. Uh -huh. um, I should look, I'll have to look to see if that's driven any traffic at all. Um, I doubt that it's done much, Okay, but over time, as those shorts get shown again and again in the future, I mean, again, we had shorts on a previous channel that we published and they got 10,000 views and they're a couple years old that now have 13 million views. I mean, Man. so just because your short stopped doesn't mean it failed. Just remember that. Let it be. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, leave it up. Yep. And if it's, and if, again, if there's, and those ones where I linked, there's not a very clear, like call to action, like go watch this other video. Uh, I think it would perform better if there was a really compelling reason. 
Mm -hmm. to, to click to watch it. In that case, do you think you would cut off the information before they have it all? Or would you give them kind of a complete bit of information, but then the promise of extra? Yeah, I think in that case, I would want to give them one complete thing, but that whets their appetite enough to where they're like, okay, but I want more. And that way they're more much more likely to click. Yeah, and so in that case, it's almost a little bit more of like a video trailer where it's like, you know, I, I got enough to get me excited about it, but, but yeah, it doesn't feel a little slimy. Bit, yeah, yeah, right. It's not like, you know, in the video, I'm kind of making the promise that I'm going to give you something huge, but I'm actually only going to tell you about the huge thing and make you go watch my hour long webinar. That'll make go mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't want that. Cool. Okay, what was um, the hardest part of the challenge for you? The hardest part really was just being able to put in the time every day. Um, in this case, coming up with video ideas wasn't that hard. I would say um, I got to the point at the very end where, I mean, I had plenty of ideas, but it was like, oh, I need to film a video today and edit it today for tomorrow. It's the last one. And... My ideas list has a bunch of stuff, but none of them is like something I could really just do really quick right now. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you, you're putting so much time into it because it just takes so long to do it that it's hard to be planning ahead for that video a week from now that needs a little bit more um, foresight. And in some cases that worked because I would early on because it was like, okay, I'm on day 10. Oh, I want to do this video. Oh, but I need this $10 product from Amazon. Okay, well, I'm going to order it and then I'll film this in three days. Yeah. But when you're on day 29 and you're like, I need a video for tomorrow. And it's oh, like, no. um, well, this one's going to require me to spend three hours doing something to be able to show it. I don't have time for that today. And so the last video or two kind of got to that These point. These big ones got pushed yeah. off and then you had a bunch of big and ones. And then I had a bunch yeah. of big ones. So that's... And that's where I'm at right now. So like I filmed one this morning uh, and, and that's kind of where I was yesterday. I was like, I don't know what to film, but I wanted to have a video ready to start editing today for um, later this week because I'm not just stopping the channel. So I was like, well, what can I do? And that's when I went into ClickUp into our scheduler and planner. And I took a bunch of those videos and I put them on the schedule. Mm -hmm. this one will be this week, this one will be this week, whatever. And that way uh, I could start thinking and doing the pre-work that was needed for each yeah. one. So they're spaced out. You're not going to get right. a bunch of them at one time now. Exactly. And you can kind of prepare for about how much pre-work and when the pre-work needs to start on those. Exactly. Very cool. Yeah. And so on the kind of daily, more average basis, did you find that you thought you would need more time each day than you did? Like, oh, I don't have time for this. And then it ended up being quicker than you expected or was it the opposite or about what you expected? Um, I would say that especially as time went on, I got to where things were taking less time than I expected. Cool. Um, and where I just realized like this clicked for me one day when I was editing a video and I got it done, but it was late or I got done, I got it done enough mm. and it was getting late and I, wa and I wanted to add more things, more effects, more stuff. And um, I was like, nope, I'm just going to be done. I need to sleep tonight, you know? Yeah. So I exported the video. I uploaded it to YouTube, made a thumbnail, and I went to bed. And the next day, my wife watched the video and was like, this is my favorite one. And the video performed great. And in fact, 
it's my highest performing video on the channel. Now that I think about it, I didn't make that connection till just now, wow. but it's the, the video concept was compelling enough. The presentation was good enough. And I didn't, I could have spent planned to spend probably another hour just kind of adding to it to effects wise and stuff and putting more text on the screen, things to just um, even things as simple as sometimes cropping in and cropping out mm -hmm. just to um, kind of snap people's attention back. But nope, all of that ended up being unnecessary. Wow. And do you, is there any part of you that regrets not doing that because that video performed so well? Do you think, oh, well, this was one of the best ideas anyways. How well would it have done if I had done those things? Or do you not look at it like that? Um, I'm looking at it more like while those things are good, uh, when, if you have a video that's compelling enough and it's visual enough, it helped because I was showing stuff. I was, I was moving around a lot more okay. than like in our talking head videos that we make a lot for income school and channel makers we're oftentimes mostly just kind of talking to the camera. And so for those adding text on the screen and, or if we're talking about numbers and being able to visibly show them, I think that's really important. But on this video, you know, I was kind of coming from that background and trying to make these videos and thinking mm. I just needed to do a lot more. And in the end, what I was showing them was enough. And I didn't have to do a whole lot with you know, even cropping in on things, unless I was just trying to show something and the camera needed to be closer. And then I could kind of crop in in editing. Which you already did. Which I, yeah, that was kind of part of my cutting. When I was cutting it together, it was like, oh, this needs to be closer and I zoom in. Okay. But I just wasn't taking the time to do a lot of the other kind of cool stuff. Um, I just kind of made my little stinger, my little splash screen at the beginning, the one at the end. I added some music that kind of plays on the outro. And I was like, well... You know, it'll be good enough. Right. And so after that, my edits got faster because I started to realize that, well, this will be helpful here, but it's unnecessary here. So I'm not going to worry about it. Right. And in this instance, you know, because you were going to do 30 videos anyways, it might feel like, oh, I just, I want to be better. I want to be better. But that has taught you that for this specific channel, it might not matter that much. And right. now in the future, you might end up publishing more often because mm -hmm. you've learned that about this yeah. channel than you would have otherwise. Right. So the edits can awesome. stay really simple. Yeah. In fact, that's the other thing is that channel that Jim and I started, he still runs it. And even today, mm -hmm. the edits are still simpler than anything we do. And Jim has never been one to spend a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Like he does a perfectly good enough job, but he's just never been one to put hours and hours and hours of editing into a video. Um, part of it is the way he films and it, and it works great for him. Uh, but you know, on that channel from the very beginning, the edits were always very simple. We almost never used like, uh, there were periods of time where like Andrew would edit those videos, but for a while there, like we hired another employee to help be the face of that channel. And we taught him how to edit and he edited them very basically. And that was good enough. And it's always been the edits for that channel have always been mostly good enough. And that channel is doing really well. And do you think that this only works for certain topics, having low edits? I mean, of course, if it was something meta, like editing or filmmaking or yeah, something totally. like that, there's an extent where you're going to have to have amazing edits. Yep. Do you think for the most part, edits just aren't that important? Or do you think it's the specific topics that these are? What do you think is going on there? Yeah, I think, you know, the, I think the topic of your channel is going to play into it for sure. But also part of it is just sort of the tone and the personality. There's a lot, I mean, there are a lot of other factors that go into what makes a video really engaging. 
And so if we can't make it super engaging without great music and cool effects, um, partially because of the topic, maybe partly because that's our presentation style, um, I think the editing can be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. I just, I do think though that there are probably a lot of YouTubers who are trying to overproduce their videos and make them more like TV and it's not TV. In fact, people don't want it to be TV. Right. They want it to feel real. The more real that we seem, almost the better connection we create with an audience. And then those videos do better. So there's some trade-offs. I mean, I I definitely learned um, some good editing tips that helped improve my edits, but not in like really tricky ways. Uh, I mentioned one in a previous episode just about when you do a jump cut. I would just, whenever I did a jump cut before, I would it'd just be a hard, I'd just cut it and then it would just completely jump, right? Mm-hmm. But then I learned with the audio to do a J cut. So the audio overlaps just a little bit. And from the very first time I did it, I was like, oh, that feels more natural. Like it's it draws your attention in like a jump cut is supposed to do, but it wasn't jarring. Yeah. I was like, holy cow, like I never knew this. You didn't realize how much the audio was making it feel jarring. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I just, my those jump cuts don't take me any longer to do in Final Cut, but they just look better. Yeah. And so, and I do think that that, like knowing some good things like that can help your edits to feel smoother and not be distracting. If your yeah. edit is distracting to the audience, it can really harm your video. And I think a lot of, a lot of creators are probably overproducing or overwhelming. I've noticed something that our editors, Cody and Andrea do here a lot is they add in things. And sometimes they're simple, something that anybody could do. Sometimes Uh they are quite advanced, (laughs) right? But what they do is they'll add personality into it. So well, Cody is like really funny and kind of more off the ball. And Andrea, I think she, she knows the culture so well. And so she can kind of maybe use inside jokes or just uh-huh. little things that really match people's personalities. They're both good at it in their own way, mm-hmm. but it's making it more relatable, even though sometimes the edits are, sometimes they're animation, sometimes they're hard stuff. Yeah. Um, not always, but even though it is more editing, they're able to do it in a way that makes it feel like more personal, more connection. And yes. then a lot of times we get all these comments about how much people loved it. Right. It's like, that was the, the talk of the video, you know, was yes. the edit, but it's because they're, they're building a connection. It's not distracting you. You're not noticing the edit. You're noticing right. whatever the edit what edit did. Yeah. What, what <laughs> it accentuated. I know sometimes like in the middle of a, of a video, I might kind of say like a little bit of an aside or, you know, make a little joke or something like that. And when I do, Cody will crop in really close on my face and you'll see kind of the facial expression. And if it's a good facial expression, like that adds to the joke, he'll then pause it for just an extra half a second. So it's a little bit of a freeze frame for just a little bit longer to linger on that. Um, Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's a little sound effect. Andrea does that a lot where it's like a little bell ding when um, something comes up on the screen or something like that, that draws your attention to it. Uh, Just these little things that it's like, okay, I made kind of a little dad joke in a video or something like that, but the way that Cody cropped in and stuff on it just made it like just, a little bit extra and it yeah. just made it more, more personable. It's interesting because when you're talking to a camera, things that wouldn't sound awkward, if you mentioned them in conversation, like, okay, dad joke is kind of dorky, but it, it wouldn't feel super awkward. 
Right. But on camera sometimes it really does <laughs> because it's just you talking to nobody. There's right. no other conversing or anything like that. And so it's kind of important, I think, to be able to do things like that to make it yeah. flow better because it's an added challenge to tell a joke or be funny to nobody <laughs> to nobody. Exactly. <laughs> There's no feedback. You have no idea how it's going to land. Um, yeah. And the nice thing is with video is like we get to edit. So if Cody realizes that that's just not going to land, he just cuts it out. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if it's like, Oh, that really could land. Like, let me make it, let me help, make it you know? <laughs> and I think that helps a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. I think those are really good. Um, editing tips that don't, require a lot of skill like it's yeah you're kind of proving it in a way i mean this is not um a huge data set but it is something and i think you've had enough overall experience with all of your channels to realize that a lot of times less is more yes which helps when you're trying to publish daily (laughs) (laughs) yes it does cool so i was going to ask you what surprised you the most about the challenge but i'm wondering if it wasn't that video or is there something else that surprised you a lot you know it probably was that video and it's funny because after a few days, I just stopped thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, it, that's why I say it was literally in this conversation that I realized actually that video is currently the best one on the channel. Wow. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably it. I, I, it's hard to think if there was anything else that was super surprising other than maybe just, you know, not realizing or not knowing like, how much it would affect me or how it would really feel to mm-hmm. go back to zero start at the beginning and know that even with the channels I've built and knowing how this whole thing works, you still publish a video and you still are like, is anybody going to watch this? Like, please, please, please. I hope, Good you know, enough. Yeah. and just feeling what that's like once again. Um, it's like, you would think that knowing how this usually plays out, that I would have been just like, ah, it's no big deal. Like, I'm not even going to look. No. Like, it was, I was, I definitely was in the trenches again. And just like, okay, I hope this one works too. Yeah. You know. Before the challenge, it seemed like you were really, really not even hardly thinking about it. You're just like, oh no, it works. I know this works. I know I can do it. And then once you started, it was a little more like, I hope. Yeah. It's (laughs) like, well, I published a video yesterday and now it's up to seven. Or whatever. Yeah. Or at least once it got closer to the starting time, I should right. say. But yeah. 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 And so for anybody listening that's still in that phase and because they have less experience might be in it a lot longer than you had to be, mm-hmm. would you say aside from stick with it, is there any other encouragement or advice that you'd give? Yeah. I think, you know, stick with it is really good. It's really important. I do also think it's important to be able to learn from your experience as you go, sticking with the wrong thing doesn't help. So the problem is though, until you have several videos, you you don't really have much to go off of. One of the things that's just really helped me the most is that I quickly put out 30 videos. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was, even when I was halfway done at 15 videos, like I already had a decent video library. YouTube was already quickly figuring out the audience and YouTube hasn't totally figured out the audience. If they had several of these videos, I know would have a hundred thousand views on them. Like it's going to take a bit for YouTube to really trust my content with a, a broader group. And that's totally normal and, and fine. But just recognize that you're not going to know what's really working really well 
and not working at all for a while because you can have a video that is top notch, but just YouTube doesn't know who to show it to yet. And in the early days, YouTube is going to be really conservative with their testing. Yeah. So you don't want to jump to conclusions right. early on, even if video doesn't do well because it might not right. have found the right audience. So it's like stick with it long enough to get 20 videos out there. Mm-hmm. And then if nothing's working at all, okay, maybe it's time to try to kind of figure out what's going on. Um, I think that's a, that's really the advice I would give. Okay. And so if you can do anything to speed up those first 20 videos, do that. Uh, you know, if you're doing a video every week or every other week, 20 videos takes a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it does. That's a lot more perseverance in a way. It might sound harder and more overwhelming to do a bunch right at the yeah. beginning. But and I don't expect people to do a video every day. It's it's a lot. Yeah. But yeah. maybe a few a week. Yes. That way you don't have to have the emotional resilience to make it a year before you right. have enough videos to see how it's doing. And that means simplifying. It means not, mm. not overproducing your videos, not feeling, I mean, again, if you're in a space where just like you're going to have to because it's really visual, you know, okay, just recognize, you know, I've known multiple people, um, but I have a friend from high school growing up who his channel was literally animating and it was, he could publish one video a month because it literally took him though. He was a full-time YouTuber and it just took him that many hours to create the animations and make the video. And so he couldn't publish more often than that but his videos were getting millions of views because they were just really that good. Um, I would say that that's a, an uncommon recipe mm-hmm. um, that there is a recipe to make that happen, but I think it's not a guarantee. And, you know, anyway, so there are some spaces where it makes sense. Mark Rober isn't going to do a new squirrel maze every single no. week or something like that. I mean, it takes a long time to produce yeah. his videos and do the things that he does. And so, um, but he has settled into a recipe that just works incredibly well for him. Um, and it didn't, it didn't take off on his first video ever, you know, it took a bit. So I would just say, yeah, even with the best of the best, right. it didn't work right away. No, I mean, can't. Mr. Beast talks about spending literally years on YouTube before he really found what worked really well. Yeah. And I mean, now it's who everybody's heard of. Yeah. And I love how you are estimating the growth of your channel instead of just saying, oh, well, most of my videos have a bit over 100 views. Mm-hmm. You're looking at it in a very different way. That's right. helping you realize you will probably be monetized by the end of two months, October. Right. Can you really simply show us how you're doing that? So are you factoring in outliers? Are you looking at the growth or just are you just pretending that it's not going to grow at all and you're just looking at the daily views? Are you taking into account if you start publishing less, how exactly are you calculating that? Yeah. So mostly I'm kind of looking at the trajectory of the channel, uh, you know, subscriber growth. And I recognize that, uh, you know, at this point you might say, well, if you're going to slow down your publishing schedule, can you really say that your subscriber growth rate is going to stay where it's at? Yeah. Um, so basically what I'm saying is if my subscriber growth rate, like the number of subscribers per day that I get stays about where it averages right now for the last few days. Um, and if my watch time per day stays about where it's been for the last few days, it doesn't have to do any more than that. If it just stays, if it plateaus, um, it just doesn't decrease then by about the end of the second month, I should be there. Uh, and so that's kind of where I'm started, but I recognize I'll be going to be publishing less often. 
But the reality is, is a lot of my views and most of my watch time and subscriber growth isn't happening on the brand new video. I'm not at the point where like, when I look at income school channel makers, I do concern myself with the video I just published. How did it do in the first day and in the first week and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But on a channel like this, that's growing, I'm looking at the library kind of as a whole. And I'm seeing that, well, you know, this video, yes, it ebbs and flows throughout the day, but basically every day, um, not only are some of these other videos I created a week or more ago, not only are they continuing to get views, but the number of views per day oftentimes is increasing. And they ebb and flow. Like a video will kind of die off for a day, and then the next day it's back again, and it's doing even better. Um, and I am also accounting for the fact that I think there's probably a few more videos on my channel that will pick up as well. And so basically, since I've created this library and all the videos are good, I'm going to get some traffic from search. Um, and as I, as I do, uh, YouTube will probably spread some of those a little bit further too. Mm -hmm. um, just knowing that none of my videos is done. And so this whole library is just going to keep getting views, attracting subscribers and getting watch time. And so I, I think plateauing is unlikely. I think we're going to continue to see growth. And my plans going forward aren't to just like leave it. I'm going to keep creating content. In right. fact, I'm going to go ahead and my plan right now is to still publish twice a week. So uh, eventually I'll probably end up at a video a week. But um, for now, I want to keep it a little bit more often. I, I am a little bit not concerned, but uh, in terms of just meeting that kind of goal for that second month, um, I am curious to see sort of what happens. Yeah. You know, today was the first day I didn't publish a new video. So I'm kind of curious to see, you know, tomorrow morning when today's numbers finalize, I'm curious to see like, what does that look like? Do, does everything kind of drop off a bit? Cause there's not new content or yeah. is the activity level just going to keep picking up because I have new people commenting on my videos every single day. Wow. Great engagement. Yeah. And great feedback. And I mean, it's like, my video from yesterday has four comments and two of them are mine replying to people. Mm, yeah. But the point is like on a channel wide basis, you know, new people I've had it probably at least two new people today comment on some of my quote old videos. They're still less than a month old, but just commenting, adding new insight. I get some new person that finds my channel likes it. And then I watch over the next like six hours, they comment on this video, then this video, then this video. And I'm like, Awesome. It's working. And yeah, I have multiple people like that. I have one who found my channel probably after about a week who watches and comments on like every video. I have another one who, who found me probably a week ago and has commented on probably eight to 10 of my videos. Um, that is yeah. really unusual for a channel of your size. I think right. Big channels. Yeah. They're going to have tons of people that come on every single video, those loyal fans. Right. But for a channel this small to have to multiple have a, people. Like loyal fans, like, or yeah. people who are just like watching video after video. Like I don't really do that on very many channels. I have channels where I find them. I'm like, oh, I like that person. I subscribe and I watch a certain percentage of their videos going forward. I never go back and then binge their other videos almost ever. Mm. Um, right. That's just not what I do. But Even better sign that they're watching old videos, not just subscribing and watching new ones. Right. They're not just loyal to you. Like, okay, I'll see what you put out. Yeah, let's see what else you've already got. They want all of it. Yep. That is so cool and such a good sign. Like, that's yeah. probably a better long-term sign than, you know, the monetization goals yeah. or anything else that you could have hit, just yeah. that you have people that loyal. 
And that's what we, that's the story we hear all the time. Whenever I meet people in person who know me from income school, they're like, yeah, I found this one video of yours. And next thing I knew I had binged every video on your channel. I'm like, there's over 300 videos on my channel. Like, yeah, I've watched everything you've published. It's like, okay, wow. It's a lot of time. Um, you've watched me more than I have. Um, and, and that's fine. I think that's, I mean, that's, you know, in some ways kind of flattering, but it's also just a really good sign that um, they, they connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a comment, I think yesterday, from someone who said, do you have another YouTube channel? And they said it, they followed it up, they didn't say like, I feel like I've seen you before. No, they said, do you have another YouTube channel? Hmm. Producing YouTube videos is hard and you seem pretty polished. Like, you know what you're doing. It's like, this is someone who's creating video content themselves. And they're like, how is this brand new YouTuber seem this comfortable on camera? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, you've done this before, haven't you? And I honestly replied, yeah, yeah, I, I have quite a bit, but I, I decided like, this was the channel I've wanted to do for a long time. And I've decided it's finally time to do it. So here I am. But yes, I do have experience as a yeah. YouTuber, you know? <laughs> and you think the main reason that stood out to them was the on-camera presence? Do I you think, think so. It was the camera angles, other factors? There were probably a lot of those factors. Like yeah. the editing, I've stayed pretty basic from the beginning, but it's edited more than just like, just I kind of clipped it together and made a few cuts and it's kind of awkward. Right. Um, like a lot of brand new YouTubers would be. Yeah. A um, lot of brand new YouTubers, like they, there's little things where it's not so much amount, but it's knowing how to do them right. Like, you know, you have lots or yeah. color changes or, you know, the audio, you know how to have everything about right. You don't have anything that's like. That's like glaringly yes, annoying. Exactly. Right. And so they probably noticed that. Yeah, they probably did. And they probably noticed like yeah, your lighting looks pretty good. Like mm-hmm. I have a light on me, you know, you're <laughs> in focus. <laughs> yeah. Everything's in focus. Um, you know, a lot of YouTubers who don't know what they're doing, they're out of focus. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just all of those little things. And most people wouldn't notice that they're just like, Oh, I like this YouTuber, but someone who's trying themselves, mm-hmm. they're like, Oh wow. This person knows what they're doing. Um, they know it's hard to yeah, do. Yeah. Like their channel's a month old and they're surpassing me already. Uh, when people see that, they're just like, okay, that, what can I learn here? This person must know what they're doing. Right. Um, and I think, I don't know, that was kind of a cool thing to hear that someone like noticed and acknowledged that like you're doing a good job already. Right. Um, Especially without really fancy edits. You don't have right. animations or anything no. fancy. Yeah. Any animations right. I have air quotes are built in add ons, mm-hmm. um, that either final cut has built in or that we, bought through pixel film studios. Um, they have a lot of little add-ons for final cut where it's like, you know, you want your name to pop up at the bottom of the screen, you know, and it's like you go in, you customize the colors, but I don't have to know how to animate. I just have to know how to like customize somebody else's animation. Right. Drag and drop pretty much. Yep. Totally. Yeah. That's a huge sign that they noticed. Right. That you, I think a lot of it though was probably the, also the presence just like, yeah, you know, just being comfortable talking to a camera Most people feel super awkward. Like you said, telling a joke to a camera feels awkward. Mm -hmm. It doesn't to me anymore. Cool. But that's like, I don't even know when that happened, but it took several years before, you know, now it's totally normal for me to look at the center of that little circle in the camera lens um, Mm -hmm. and to talk to it like it's a person. Goof off a bit. Yeah. I loved what you said in that other episode. You said that, you know, you've kind of arrived with getting comfortable on camera or in a good spot when you're able to laugh at yourself on camera. And you do that really well. 
Thank you. you. Just kind of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it works. So let's see. Um, did you get better at anything specific? This one's hard. Anybody else doing this challenge would probably have like a laundry list. <laughs> you have a lot of experience already, but anything that stood out to you? Yes, actually. Um, some of my early videos, especially some where I had filmed some B-roll or something in the past when I was doing something, I just filmed it thinking I'll use this someday. Um, but also videos that I filmed in the first week, they were not nearly as kind of concise and to the point. There wasn't as much of a story. The hook at the beginning, it was, um, I think I mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, but you know, a lot of those videos would have started off with things like, you know, hey, welcome back. It's good to see you kind of stuff. And I realized like, I know better than this. Like I shouldn't be doing that. But just naturally, I just want to greet people still. Yeah. And even after years on YouTube, but again, having gone through and edited my own videos and um, actually watching all of them, because nowadays, like I film a video for income school and I don't even always review them before they get published. You do, you know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and then once they publish, I rarely rewatch my own videos. It just feels kind of weird to me. With these ones, I was doing the editing. And then after I'm done editing, I still watched it through all the way one more time because I don't want to put out a huge glaring mistake. And so I was watching them. And as I watched them, I was like, oh, this isn't that engaging. This isn't that engaging. So as I went, I started. Now I don't start off with the greeting. I start off with the little hook. And then I have, I, do, I will still greet them after that. But, um, but I, didn't, I don't start off with that. Um, just little things like that. And then my videos on average are shorter now than they were a month ago. Um, mm. Just because I'm being more concise in my video planning. I'm even uh, not trying to cram as much into one video. Uh, par- partially because it makes the videos easier to film and edit faster. Right. But also just because I realize oh, this will be more engaging if it's not a 20 minute long explanation of something like that yes. I can cover just one thing and no matter how much experience you have you can always get more concise right. because people's attention span is so low on YouTube yeah. and you know even the biggest creators like Mr. Beast they say to make tons of footage like I think he has 50 hours you know or more yeah. of footage for a single video and then he is trimming it down to what's very best yeah and then when you're trying to not have to edit multiple hours of footage you're gonna have to be even more concise in a way because you don't have a hundred editors helping you exactly with your videos and so if you're trying to have quick edits and good content you're basically never going to arrive with being perfectly concise is it's always something that you could improve yeah so that's yeah i makes sense i think that's completely true i think we can always continue to work on it um and you know, in terms of just like the having tons of footage, I think that is something that makes a lot of sense in a lot of situations. With his videos where he's doing like challenges and stuff, you're going to want lots of cameras set up because you don't know which one's going to give you the right angle um, or be pointed at the right person even, you know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And so like for television shows, oftentimes like as a YouTuber, I'm like paying attention. I'm just like, they switched from this angle to this angle to this angle. I'm like, how many cameras do they have? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, Maybe it's only four cameras, but as soon as this cameraman's shot ended, he they must have moved over here. I mean, wow. it feels like uh, cameras, I mean, they're constantly moving around and stuff, and they just have all these different angles. Um, you know, like, that's great if you could do it, but 
a lot of us YouTubers that that's not going to work that well. So, you know, I would say if you're like an outdoor person, you're like filming in the outdoors a lot, or you're doing really active things, getting lots of B-roll. Yeah, just do it. Like having the footage is better than not having it. But when it comes to actually like presenting, so again, my videos are pretty informational. So this applies heavily to that. But if you're actually, when you get to the point of presenting the content, like try not to film for an hour mm-hmm. to get a 10 minute video. Um, I would say this is another answer to your question. What things have I improved on? I would say another thing that's improved is I, I'm doing way fewer retakes. It's like, oh. I'm, I'm talking through, I'm giving the whole thing. And every now and then, instead of just like rambling on, I finish a thought and I pause and I think through, okay, what am I going to say next? And then I go and I do it. And so I have a lot less that I'm cutting out. That's me talking. Most of my cutting out now is just like the blank spaces in between or where I feel like I misspoke or I just jumbled something up in and, um, and it wasn't in such a way that I felt like I could like turn it into a joke. I've done a couple of those, but where, you know, you're talking and it's just like the words just won't come out. Right. Um, you know, I think in a lot of those cases I've, uh, it's just, anyway, it, <laughs> here I am. Like, I can't get the words out right now. Yeah. Um, you know, in some of those, I will just pause. I'll go back to the beginning of a sentence or something and I'll go again. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's another one is if you go back to the beginning of a thought or a sentence, then you're not finding yourself trying to like splice together a sentence, like a cut mid sentence where the jump cut looks super awkward. Um, that can be so, really hard fixed. Yeah. And like we've done it sometimes and we've made it work and sometimes you can get the audio to work. And if you can put some B-roll over the top, people don't really notice, but I've done that so many times and you can spend 10 minutes on this one little cut, trying to get it just right so that it doesn't look super jarring or sound really jarring. Um, so I've just gotten better at, you know, not worrying about the line by line by line wording, Mm -hmm. but also keeping my explanations more concise. Yeah. That was not a very concise section but <laughs> i'm getting better at it on camera nice yes podcasts are different yeah um and that's a that's a hard combination i think is to to be concise without being super scripted a lot of people right. kind of default to one or the other mm-hmm. um but combining those is hard another thing i want to point out is that if you're learning things and improving in fairly significant ways based on this 30-day challenge after doing this for years and years and years and then how much is how much more is somebody going to improve who is a fairly new YouTuber? Like right. just try to do a challenge, even if nothing comes of it, even if your videos are really bad and maybe, you know, maybe you don't have all the all the kinks worked out. You've got an audio issue or, you know, and hopefully you kind of fix those along the way. But even if they're not great videos, maybe you wouldn't be proud of them in a month. Wouldn't you say mm-hmm. just do it? Yes, absolutely. Um, if you're not embarrassed by your old videos after six months and many times even one month, then you're probably not improving enough. Good point. Um, I've heard I've heard Mr. B say the same thing, uh, but I am a firm believer in that. I believed it for a long time. Off, there have been many times where I film a video and by the time it gets through editing, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I wish I could do it again. Yeah. And sometimes we have, and I would not say to do that. I would say just publish it. <laughs> what do you think of kind of recording twice? Like, recording once and doing your best as if you're going to publish it. Uh-huh. Um, 
maybe you decide you're going to like pick which take was best. That way you take that first one seriously and Uh then recording again immediately after, um, especially if the recordings, you know, taking you 15 to 20 minutes for at least one single take. But then, and I know in some projects and stuff, this isn't going to work, but if it was like Mm -hmm. talking head and it could work. Yeah. Um, and then the, you know, the planning and the ideating and the editing still the majority of the time. Do you think that makes sense or do you think that's overthinking it at these early stages? I, I think that makes a lot of sense. In fact, um, we used to do that a lot because oh. Jim and I would film kind of one take videos a lot of times with very few cuts and it helped that there were two of us. So one could talk and then the other, we could pause a little bit while the other talked and that helped a lot to keep mm-hmm. it moving. But uh, if a take wasn't quite what we wanted, it was like, let's just do it again. Um, if we felt good about that first take, we just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of times where it was like, well, let's just do it again a second time. Yeah. And like, you know, the first time we filmed it, I didn't have it as a crutch thinking, oh, well, we're going to do a second one. Um, so I couldn't just lean on that. But on the other hand, um, having that as an option, I think is fantastic. Usually when I um, do it, when I present something or even if I write something, I don't know if a lot of you experience this as a blogger. I definitely have where it like didn't auto save or whatever. And you write a whole blog post and then you lose it all. And then you go to rewrite it. But the second time it's shorter. Uh, we do the same thing on camera a lot. Uh, because now that we've worked through everything, our thoughts are more organized in our brain and we're more concise. Yeah. Um, I read a book. I can't remember who it was, but the author said that halfway through the book, his, I think his laptop got stolen out of his car. Oh no. He lost everything. It might've been like more than halfway through the book. I don't know. It was hundreds of hours lost, I think. And then he said he was just so grateful that that happened because uh-huh. the second time he wrote it, it was so much better. <laughs> crazy. I think there's a lot of value in that, especially if you're concerned that you're being too wordy Mm. uh, and you want to try to, you know, really dial in the actual filming and presenting. I think that's probably a good exercise. Yeah. And I know I default to like redoing a segment Uh a lot. So I'll, I'll say a piece of it and then, Oh no, I want to do another take. I want to do the undertake, but I think it's probably better practice long-term and going to, you know, serve me better if I can get in the habit of doing the full video. And then if I need to do the full thing again, Mm -hmm. I can redo that. And of course, like you said, you know, go back to the beginning of a sentence if you need to, if you really stumbled, yeah. Yeah. but don't have that in mind of like, Oh, I I could make that sound a little better. No, just go through the whole thing. Right. And if you want to try to make the whole thing sound a little better, go through it again. I think I'd like to try that. And I never expect myself to talk for 10 or 15 minutes with no cuts. Mm, Okay. Like if it's just me, especially that's just not an expectation that I have. So I don't have a problem with pausing in the middle of a video um, to gather my thoughts and then start again or to, you know, fix a mistake or something. I'm not going to start over because I fumbled on a sentence somewhere in the middle of the video. You could be filming all day if that's the case, you know. Um, But I do like the idea of filming a video front to back. I had one in this challenge where I filmed the video front to back and then I discovered that think it was the cam it was either the camera or the mic one of them wasn't recording like it was probably the mic what I had probably done was I set it to record but it's the same action to record and stop recording and for some reason when I turned it to when I turned the camera to record and then I did that on the mic I must have already been recording so I stopped the recording I recorded the whole video on the camera but the mic was stopped mm. and so I went in and to get the audio and was like, I don't have any audio for like the whole video. And so I immediately went back in the room and just refilmed real quick. And 
it was fine. You know, it's probably better the second time. And yeah. I think there's really something to be said about that. Yeah. Especially if you're newer. Yeah. Then go for it. Yeah. yeah. And then you could pick which take, maybe even splice them together a little bit. Yeah. If it, you want to spend the time It gives you more footage and stuff so that if you're like, yeah. I really liked this one point I made the first time through that I forgot to say the second time. But other than that, the second take was the better one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Now you have both. Awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to say about this challenge? Um, not really other than there's so much value in pushing yourself. So whatever that looks like, I'd say. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a 30 day challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Publishing daily for 30 days. It's just, I realize that life situations make that not feasible for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. It was incredibly difficult for me too. Um, it was a lot of spending my evenings editing videos instead of doing stuff at home with the family. Um, and so it wasn't a, it wasn't like I could just dedicate all my work time to that, but at right. the same you have time, quite a life. Yeah, I mean, you have, right? you run this business, you have a large family, you have hobbies. It's yes. not like, yeah, but it did mean like, you know, some of the hobby kind of stuff that I would normally do, maybe taking a little bit of a break from that. Yeah. Um, just for a little bit because it was important to, to me to do this. So whatever that looks like for you, just like finding a way to stretch you a little bit past what you think your limits might be, mm. you know, um, just push yourself. And if you fall a little bit short of it, you'll probably still learn a ton in the process. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this challenge has been so exciting. I can't wait to check in with everybody again at the end of October or maybe a little yeah. sooner, depending on how it goes. Yeah. Um, when the channel hits monetization. And, you know, at the end of the year-ish, we yep. will reveal the niche. Yep. Um, so everybody will know what that has been. And then in the future, in the very near future here, we're going to have different outside guests on the podcast instead of just people internally here. And we're going to be doing more challenges. So stick around. And yeah. thank you so much for following this challenge so far. And if you are curious about more of, I mean, we had a ton of different advice and things. The recap is kind of just how it went. But in the previous episodes, we talked a lot more about details and strategy and how yeah. you can apply it to your own channels and things like that. So definitely check those out if you haven't already. We'll see you next time.